Hello dear friends, this is Pastor Christopher Alam. I'm glad to be with you again today. Uh, yesterday we began to talk about the beginnings, you know, to give you a bit of a background on the healing ministry of Jesus. And for the next couple of days, we will talk about the healing ministry of Jesus itself because it's important because our lives and ministries should be modeled after Jesus and not modeled after what modern day theologians often think that ministry should be like. We, I mean, God bless all the theologians and many of them say a lot of good things, but any theology, so-called, actually the word theology means the study of God, but any theology that uh, takes away your zeal and takes you away from the power of God and waters the, you know, the supernatural power of God down, it is not worth a hill of beans. The important thing is that we model our lives and ministry after Jesus. And that's not just walking in the supernatural, but also other aspects of uh, supernatural ministry. And one of the things uh, that the Lord spoke to me late last night as I was going to bed was this, that these days, uh, unfortunately, you know, one of the things that turns people away from the uh, some supernatural Pentecostal type ministry is the fact that uh, that most people who are who are uh, you know who look to be mightily used by God, uh, along with the uh, anointing of their lives, a part of the package appears to be this arrogance and flamboyance and love of money and uh, showmanship and unfortunately uh, these things turn people away from uh, supernatural powerful ministry it shouldn't be that way because the disciples of Jesus were not like that Jesus was not like that himself in fact supernatural ministry let me tell you what it should be like men who are mightily used by God uh, in the supernatural uh, it should be a natural field for them to recognize that the power is not of them, but it is of God. So, so that uh, we are men and women who are humble before God and before man, and we walk in that humility and brokenness and love for people and are free from the love of money and free from the love of self-promotion and that we serve God and we serve people, lay down our lives to help other people. And that's how that's what it means to model our lives and our ministries after Jesus, after the ministry and the life of Jesus, as well as seeking his power. Anyway, that being said, I want to start again, as I have done yesterday, by sharing with you a story, a true testimony story. And this was years ago. I was preaching in Burma, uh, we, you know, and we had been all over the country holding crusades and uh, this was during the days of the military government, the dictatorship, and they didn't like me because of what I was doing. But the interesting thing was that their um, secret police, their intelligence people, their military people followed me around, but they didn't dare touch me. Uh, they, they were scared of me because they saw the power of God in our meetings and they are also very superstitious. So I said to my team, I, let, I said, let's go to a place we have never been to before. So my team said, Pastor, let's go to this uh, one town. You know, it was an obscure town uh, right by the border of India. So we flew there and I thought nobody would know us there. We had organized a crusade there, but uh, we thought nobody knew who I was because I had never been to that region. But the moment I stepped out of the plane, there was a guy in uniform waiting for me and he, 
he pulled me out. He says, he said to me, what are you doing here? I said, sir, I'm just come to, because it was around just before Christmas in December. I said, well, we are here to celebrate Christmas with our brothers and sisters. He says, you're not allowed to preach. You're not allowed to do any Christian work. You're not allowed to leave town. And then he says, I want you, where are you staying? So we told him the name of the hotel. He said, I want you to report to my office today, this afternoon. I said, sure. So I went to his office and he gave me these sheets of blank papers with an official stamp on them. He says, how long are you here? I said, I'm here five days. He says, I want you to write down everything you do. Uh, there's one sheet of paper for every day. I won't tell me what time you woke up, when you ate breakfast, who you met, where you went, all those things. And I said, okay. So after he left, I said to my team and my team said, pastor, what should we do? I said, well, he has to do what he has to do. We got to do what we got to do. He does his job. We do our job. So anyway, went to the hotel, picked up the papers, came back. And then the next day we were at the, at the church. We were holding a school of ministry for pastors. And we had many, many pastors, several hundred pastors from who had come from the entire region. We taught them, then the evening we were doing the crusades. And we did the crusade the first night, and I believe it was the second night. That's when the secret police came up because I was not allowed to preach. And they got up there and, and they were watching me from the back. And what happened that night, there was a lady who came up and testified. And this is what she said. She said, uh, a couple of years ago, an arrow came flying through the air and hit me straight in my, I think it was this eye. It was the right eye. She says, an arrow hit me in the eye and my eye just burst open. They rushed me to the hospital. The doctors took everything out and I had an empty socket. And, uh, and you know, of course I had, I could see with one eye, but the other eye had no eye, but an empty socket. And tonight when you were praying, I felt something happen in my eye. It got very warm. It felt hot and then I opened and suddenly I had a new eye and this is my new eye. And she showed her new eye. God had given her a brand new eye and the people who were with her, they had seen it and everybody cheered and shouted and praised God. Well, after that, the secret police and the army, the military people, intelligence people left and never came back. They never bothered me again. And we had a fantastic crusade. And so this was the story I wanted to share with you. When God does miracles, uh, you know, it, it can actually, you know, for some people, it causes them to come to God, but other people, it actually scares them. So anyway, so I want to talk to you about the ministry of Jesus. And let us start with that right now and uh, the healing ministry of Jesus. And so this is the this is the testimony of the prophet Malachi. But he said, uh, uh, I read this scripture yesterday, but I want to do that again. It said that, uh, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth up as calves out of the stall. But anyway, where I was when we finished up yesterday was from Luke 4 when Jesus came to the synagogue and, you know, he opened the scroll to the 61st chapter of Isaiah and he began to read the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set lip at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, he was actually quoting from Isaiah 61 and right at the beginning of the chapter. And then he says, then it says he closed the book and, and he, he closed the scroll, gave it back to the 
the, the, the priest, the minister, and he sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And you would wonder, you know, he, he read the scripture, then he closed it and then he sat down like he had finished and uh, everyone just kept on looking at him. And I want you to know why, because he actually stopped in the middle of a verse. Normally when you read from the scriptures, you, you, you read through, you read the whole context. You, you go to the end of the verse and you stop there. But Jesus didn't do that because he said he stopped it to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or to preach the year of the Lord's favor. And having said that, he sat down and then everybody was looking at him. Why isn't he continuing to read through the entire passage? And the reason was that because actually that verse goes like this to preach the year of the Lord's favor or the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. It's very interesting because Jesus stopped at the part where he talked about the year of the Lord's favor and he didn't read the part of the day of the vengeance of our Lord, but he stopped right there and closed the book and he sat down. And let me say this, most people don't know when to close the book and to be quiet. Uh, because the thing is this, that he, the, the year of the Lord's favor, and he talked about the day of the vengeance of the Lord. And this is significant because the gospel era is not the time of God's judgment, but it is the time of God's favor. You and I are living not in the time of God's judgment. The time will come when God is going to judge all mankind. All mankind will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and mankind shall be judged. But we are not living at that time. The gospel era is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the era when Jesus is forgiving sinners and he's extending his mercy to those who are lost in sin. He's extending mercy. He's extending forgiveness. He's extending grace. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. This is a fantastic time we are living in. Yes, a time for judgment shall come, but that time is not now. So Jesus wanted to mark that, to make a, a, a emphasize that point. So he talked about the years of Lord favor, and then he sat down. And then when he talked, then he said, Today is this day fulfilled in your ears. Now, what was, he, what was he talking about? Well, he was talking about the year of the Jubilee. Now, the year of the Jubilee, if you go to Leviticus, I believe it was the 25th chapter. And let me just uh, run this by you. Because see, uh, you have the Sabbath, like the seven days, the Sabbath. But there's a, 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 the, the seventh year is also a Sabbath, a Sabbath year. And then uh, the seven times seven, 49 years, the 50th year was like, you can call it uh, uh, the Jubilee year. That's what the Bible calls it. It was the mother of all Sabbaths, as one would say. Uh, it, it was the Sabbath of Sabbaths every 50 years, uh, the seven times seven every 50 years. And when that would happen, uh, the, the, um, the interesting thing was that there was a whole ceremony that would go through. The priest would... Uh, come to the temple, they would sacrifice an animal and a sacrificial sheep or lamb. And then that would be offered as a burnt offering to the Lord. And when the smoke would rise to the skies, then he would take the Jubilee trumpet. He'd blow the trumpet. And when the trumpet was blown, that was the beginning of the Jubilee. And everybody 
who had ever lost anything in the past 49 years would walk back to his possession. This is very interesting. What it actually means is this, that say for example, a person uh, had, uh, you know, because he had fallen into hard times and made bad decisions or for whatever reason, he had lost his land, his house and and poverty, uh, you know, and property and gone into poverty, become poor and he had to sell his land and sell his property. Well, when the year of the Jubilee would come, that land would be restored to him and it would be given back to him. Sometimes people were in such debt that they not only sold their property, but they sold themselves into slavery uh, in order to settle their debt and they, their chains would be loosed and they would be set free. So what would happen? Actually, the Bible goes into quite a bit of detail about this and, and it says that uh, it's under the law of Moses. It's in the book of Leviticus. So uh, the, the Bible says, they say, for example, if a person is selling a farm, he's selling a house or a piece of land, the price of the land would depend upon how many years was left to the next jubilee say for example the the the, the previous jubilee had just passed say 10 years back so whoever is buying that farm is now actually buying that farm for uh, 39 or 40 years because after that it would revert to its previous owner and or for or for example if a person uh, was uh, buying a farm or a piece of land just five years before the next jubilee so he would actually own the land only for five years, you know, so, uh, the, so, so the price would be less. So the price of land, the price of, uh, of landed property uh, or the price of a slave even depended upon how much time there was left for the next jubilee because whoever bought anything would only own it unto the next jubilee. And incidentally, that's where we get the 49 year lease. Uh, it, it comes from the Jubilee principle. And then uh, when the next Jubilee would come, every man would walk back and, and, uh, and his property would be restored to him. Whatever he had lost, for whatever reason, uh, or if he had been a slave, all that would be restored to him. So it was a great leveler, a restorer of all things. That was the year of Jubilee. And uh, you might think it was too good to be true, but you know, the sad thing is Israel never there is no record of the Israelites ever having kept the Jubilee. I don't know why, but they never kept the Jubilee, although it is in the scripture. And so Jesus comes in uh, because they have people, they believed that the Messiah would come and he would institute the Jubilee. Although it was in the law for them to keep, Israel never kept it. And they said, well, the Messiah will come, then we'll keep the Jubilee. So here comes Jesus and then he begins to say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to open the blind eyes, to set free the captives, etc., etc., and then to preach the year of the Lord's favor, which is the year of the Jubilee. And then he stopped. And then he said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And what he was saying is that the Jubilee is not an event. It's not a time, but I am the Jubilee. And uh, the interesting thing is that if you look at the ministry of Jesus, the Jubilee originally was only for slaves and for landed property, houses and lands. But Jesus is incorporating salvation and healing and deliverance and forgiveness into the Jubilee. So Jesus is saying, today is this scripture fulfilled. 
Hallelujah. So Jesus is our Jubilee. That means that we are living in the year of Jubilee. The Jubilee isn't just the 50 year, the 50th year, the 50th Sabbath. And uh, I know some years ago, some of these people were saying, well, this is the 50th year and this is a year of Jubilee. These things will happen, you know, special things and nothing happened. But you see, we don't go by the Jewish calendar. We go by the Jesus calendar and Jesus Christ is our Jubilee. Hallelujah. So for us, the Jubilee began 2000 years ago. And then it says when the uh, when, when, when the Jubilee starts, the animal, uh, the sheep has to be sacrificed. Well, we already have a lamb who was sacrificed upon the cross of Calvary 2000 years ago. And then it says he should be offered up by fire. Well, the fire of God came down at the day of Pentecost. So we have the lamb and we have the fire. And then it says, then the priest shall blow the trumpet and the trumpet is not actually the physical blowing of shofars because we don't see the physical blowing of shofars anywhere in the New Testament. What the trumpet is, the preaching of the gospel. So if you are in a church, every time your pastor preaches the gospel, he's blowing the trumpet and every time I am preaching to you. I am blowing the trumpet. And the Bible says that the response of the people should be that every man shall rise up and go and take his own position, his own possession. Now that you hear the word of God preached by me or preached by your pastor or whoever preaches the word of God, the word of liberty. Every time we do that, we are blowing the gospel tr trumpet because the lamb has been sacrificed by fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost cost and now we are blowing the trumpet and your response shouldn't be oh pastor christopher that was a great message i was blessed that's not enough you have to rise up and say i'm taking a hold of my inheritance i'm taking hold of my healing i'm taking hold of everything that the devil has stolen from me by peace of mind and 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 and, and my health or whatever it is the devil has stolen from you it is time for you to get up and claim it back because Jesus Christ is our Jubilee. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful news? Anyway, let us, I got a bit excited because I'm a preacher. So, you know, but um, uh, why don't we do this? Uh, uh, okay, let's, let's go a few minutes more and I, I'm going to read another scripture to you and, and, and then we'll finish and then we'll go, uh, go more into this tomorrow, talking about the ministry of Jesus. So Luke 13 Verses 10 to 16, it says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So there was a woman who, was a, who had a spirit of infirmity. She was bent down, bent over double. Now, I've seen people like that. Now, he's saying that she had a spirit of infirmity. So there are, there is diseases, but there's also spirits that cause infirmity. So sometimes it's not just enough to pray for the sick, but you have to cast the spirit of infirmity out. And how do you know the difference? Well, you know it by the spirit. If you walk in the Holy Ghost, praying tongues full of the Holy Ghost, you will know when you're ministering to people, the Lord will show you what it is. And then he says, when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I saw 
a woman like this on our last crusade in Asia, she was blind and bent over double and she, her eyes were open. God opened her eyes and she stood up straight. Anyway, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. And he said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day, which is interesting. Uh, he said, you can heal people on the other six days, not on the Sabbath day. Uh, but I, I wonder what this uh, ruler of the synagogue himself was doing on the other six days. Was he healing anybody? Uh, anyway, but he was angry at Jesus for healing this woman on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, said thou hypocrite, doth, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day lose his ox or his ass from the stall? and lead him away to watering. He says, don't you lose your, your oxen or your donkey and lead him for watering on the Sabbath day. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. That's what he said. So now the word loose here is the same word used in 1 John 3, 8, where Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. So the loose, the word loose here means to destroy, to destroy the works of the devil. So what Jesus was saying uh, was this. He says that you're angry at me because I am loosing or setting this woman free from her infirmity. Don't you loose your ox or your donkey and take him to the water uh, to, you know, to, uh, from the stall to drink water on the Sabbath day. And he says, this woman who was bound, it says, who is a daughter of Abraham. That's what he said. This woman is a daughter of Abraham and Satan has bound for 18 years. Wouldn't, shouldn't she be loose from her bondage? This is interesting because the reason Jesus loosed her, set her free was because she was a daughter of Abraham. This is the key because in Galatians 3.29, the Bible says, the apostle Paul says to the believer, and if ye are Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if we belong to Jesus, we are also the seed of Abraham. So Jesus loosed and set this woman free because she was a daughter of Abraham. And we are also the seed of Abraham. And here's what I've written down. This woman was loosed from her infirmity because she was Abraham's seed. The believer who belongs to Christ is Abraham's seed and should also be free from his infirmity. Hallelujah. It is always God's will to heal you and don't you let anyone tell you otherwise because he was a Jewish woman who was not a Christian, but the very fact that she was a seed of Abraham was enough for Jesus to come and loose her and deliver her. How much more shall you and I who belong to Jesus, washed in the blood of Jesus, but we are also Abraham's seed. Shouldn't we be delivered from every infirmity and disease that tries to bind us through the blood of Jesus Christ? Well, God bless you. We shall continue again tomorrow. But let us have a word of prayer. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here, who are, uh, who are listening to me, who are watching me. Father, I cover them with the blood of Jesus. I cover their homes, their families with the blood of Jesus. I speak life and health and healing to them, Father. I pray, Father, as they hear their word, your, their faith shall grow, their assurance shall grow, and they shall take hold of that which is their inheritance 
sins through the blood of Jesus and they shall walk in these things in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands of their lives in Jesus name. I curse every disease, every infirmity, and I speak the blessings of God upon you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Be free and be blessed and walk in wholeness that Jesus has purchased for you with his blood. God bless you, my friends. Do write to me, as I say every day. Do write to me and tell me what the Lord... It would be interesting to hear what the Lord is doing in your life through these, because this is the 10th or 11th day I'm teaching. If you have learned anything or if anything is happening to you, or if you have any suggestions, uh, you, you want me to teach on something, I will also do that because I'm trying to build this up. We have a whole month to go, so I'll be teaching every day. So uh, let me know if there's anything in your heart, and but write that on a private message because I don't want to start a, a public discussion about these things and, uh, and, and I will try to help you. God bless you and let us pray for our friends who are sick, who are afraid. Let us pray for them and remember to pray for me and my family and my teams in Africa and in Asia. And I will also pray for you. God bless you. Jesus loves you and I love you.